It's episode six of Last Best Stories. I'm Jewel Banville. It's been a while, and I'm sorry, because I adore you, you podcast people. But as a reward for hanging in there with me, I've got three stories this round. That's different from the typical two we do, one longer and one shorter, all somehow connected to the last best place we call Montana. The third one's a Christmas bonus even. Remember those? I'm old enough too. And it was even from a daily newspaper during those long ago flush days. But let's move on. Because today I'm going to introduce you to a madman. Or rather, independent producer Danielle Thompson will. Danielle lives in Bozeman and met David Madman Poole. That's honestly his nickname on a trail. And he was unforgettable for a bunch of reasons that I'm going to let her roll out. The story she produced was one that aired in a different form on Only a Game. That's a show produced out of WBUR in Boston and syndicated by NPR. It's mostly about sports. Danielle wanted to tell it in a new way, though, and it was really cool to work with her on this. Here's Danielle Thompson with her story, A Madman's Freedom. When David Poole was 21, he was working as a lifty at Copper Mountain and skiing all over Colorado when he had time off. And, um having the time of my life, basically. He was that guy, skiing every chance he had, until one lunch break in January 2006. I decided I was going to ski an area that I felt was ready to ski by that time of year. When I went into it, I got hung up on some rocks and tumbled down a big cliff. Um, I woke up in the snow uh, my upper body was cold, and it, what it seemed like, my lower body was warm, but really I couldn't feel it at all. Um, I remember a patroller yelling my name, asking if it was me, and then when they got to me, they had to carry me out on this stretcher, and once they got to the main part of the trail, the helicopter actually landed on the mountain and they loaded me straight into the helicopter. The guy said, you made it. I woke up and my mom and my dad and my two best friends from Montana were in the hospital in Denver and I asked them, what are you guys doing here? And they said, well, uh, we heard you got in an accident. And I said, yeah, but it's Monday. Don't you guys have jobs? <laughs> David was paralyzed from the sternum down. After three months of physical therapy in Colorado, he went home to Townsend, Montana. That was okay by him. He loves his small hometown, about 35 miles from Helena, right below Canyon Ferry Lake. It's five minutes from the river, it's five minutes from the lake, and it's five minutes from the mountain. Not very many places you can find that. Growing up there made David who he is, a man who lives to be outdoors. But after his accident, he had to focus on other things, like learning how to get dressed, go to the bathroom, get around town. Then I had to figure out how to get hand controls into my vehicle, which was a 1992 Chevy pickup. And I wasn't going to get a van because I was 21 years old. And that's just not my style. I ended up going out to a friend's house who knew a guy that hurt himself in a dirt bike accident 20 years before. And he's kind of out in Crow Creek Valley, out on an old farm, and then he's like, well, let's figure out if I have any kind of hand controls here. So we started digging in the shop and uh, finding little pieces, and after we got everything built, we 
installed it, and I had hand controls that first month after being out of the hospital. The first time I saw David was years later in an entirely different kind of vehicle. I passed him on a trail at Mount Ellis, just south of Bozeman, and it was unforgettable. He had this sort of cross between a mountain bike and a wheelchair, and he was working so hard, using only his arms to propel himself up a steep climb. He just seemed incredibly strong and incredibly determined. I couldn't get him out of my head, so I asked around until I found someone who knew him, a photographer friend who had taken this picture. A few weeks later, I met David on the same trail where I had first seen him. He rode and I hiked, and he told me some stories, like the time he took a ride up to Emerald Lake. So at Emerald Lake, it took me five and a half hours to get up, and it was an hour and a half down. Um, I went solo and I fell out of my bike downhill good portion maybe five or six times had to get out of my bike throw my bike back up on the trail crawl up into it strap myself back in and keep going so in some of those you know took me maybe half hour 20 minutes to get into my bike. When he was a teenager, David's friends and family started calling him Madman Pool. His attitude after the accident proves it was a good nickname for him. He resumed his summer job running the family lawn care business. He got that truck working. He figured out day-to-day life. But David knew the biggest hurdle he'd face was figuring out how to get back outside. The thing that bummed me the most was I wasn't going to be able to hike in the mountains and hunt like I used to. I was stuck. I was trapped. My friends were able to go into the mountains and talk about how great a time they had. And they offered to throw me on a game cart and haul me back there or some sort of technique. You can imagine that wasn't super appealing to him. So he did the research and found a new piece of gear called an off-road hand cycle. It looks like something out of a Mad Max movie. Super low to the ground and wide in front, skinny in back. The rider leans forward with his chest over the pedals. It's not easy to propel yourself up a mountain with only your upper body. When we went up Mount Ellis, I was seven months pregnant and able to keep up walking behind him. Off-road hand cycles aren't easy to find, but he was determined. I knew that's what I needed to do to get into the mountains again. So I tried and tried. It's a very expensive piece of equipment. Luckily enough, at the right time, um, a guy here in Bozeman sent out an email right as soon as I was in desperate need of this hand cycle, right before summer started. And I responded right away. And it changed my life. I basically rode it every day all over the place, going new places every day, going new, pushing my limits every day, seeing where it can go. David still hadn't been in the backcountry. A few months after he got the bike, he had the opportunity to try. His friends invited him on their annual trip to Hidden Lake in the Big Belt Mountains outside Townsend. This is what it was all about getting into remote backcountry with his friends. But he knew the trail would be more challenging than anything he had ridden so far. 
it starts off with 13 switchbacks dropping down a steep slope and then an additional probably two or three miles of up and down with basketball-sized boulders and stumps to go over the entire way. The first eight switchbacks were so narrow and on such a steep incline, David's friends roped him up to keep him from rolling downhill. But he got the rest of the trail on his own. After four and a half hard hours, he made it to the lake. I was probably the only hand cyclist or let alone wheelchair user to go that far into the wilderness and camp beside a beautiful mountain lake with my friends was just, it was awesome. It was unexplainable. There's no words that could really tell you how, what that was like. It was freedom. It was everything. It's only a mountain. It's only For Last Best Stories, this is Danielle Thompson in Bozeman, Montana. That story by independent producer Danielle Thompson, like the next one you'll hear, was part of our big event in November, the first Missoula Podcast Festival. Man, what a night that was at the Roxy Theater. It was the first snow. It sold out. I saw old friends, I met new ones. I figured out I'm not just talking into the ether, which was really something. We'll do it again, but not for a while. So if you have ideas on listening parties, I'm all ears. I know, grown. Our next story by Clay Scott was produced for Mountain West Voices. Through that project, funded in large part by the O'Connor Center for the Rocky Mountain West, Clay has produced more than 180 stories beautiful and small and big. The stories air on Montana Public Radio and Yellowstone Public Radio and are often picked up at the Public Radio Exchange or prx.org. Go PRX. What I'm saying is this man can tell a story, yo. Montana's more than lucky to have him. Here's just a little taste. A story about a poet in Helena, Tyler Gregson. Tyler Gregson has begun the past 921 days the same way. He gets out of bed, sits down at his kitchen table, and writes a poem. Place your hands upon me like a big tent preacher, and with a whisper, heal all that aches inside. Put your lips upon my forehead and glance your eyes to the sky. Tell me that I'll walk again, and tell me that I can fly. Hold me like a revival and shake the demons from my skin. Touch me like a fever and kiss me like a sin. Tyler started writing years ago, little poems on scraps of paper that he'd give to family or friends. Then, 921 days ago, he had a sort of epiphany. He was in an antique store looking for old books, broken books, he calls them. He likes to remove random pages, then he blacks out all but a few words to create poems. He'd bought an armful of old textbooks and obscure novels, and he was heading out the door of the shop when he spotted a 1930s vintage Remington typewriter, a dull black thing made of heavy cast metal sitting on a table in a corner. It actually had the original ribbon in it. And I started typing and I just let it all go. And that was the first poem. I loved that I couldn't edit it. I couldn't change it. I couldn't, nothing. Once it was out, it was out. It was a snapshot of that exact moment. 
What if all we have ever wanted isn't hiding in some secret and faraway dream, but inside of us now as we breathe one another and find home in the way our arms always seem to fit perfectly around the spaces between us? What if we are the answer and love was the question? What if all this time it was us you were supposed to find? I am filled with wonderings, questions, and doubt, but of one thing I am certain. It will always be you that gives flight to the butterflies inside me, calm to the sea I have become, and hope to the darkness all around us. It is you, and it has always been you. You. You that soothes and excites and spreads joy like rainfall on the already damp earth. You that pulled me from the longest sleep and kissed my tired eyelids awake. If life is a question mark, then you, my love, are the proud and bold period that is typed with certainty. That first poem, typed standing up in the antique store, was completely extemporaneous. For Tyler, it was a revelation. I decided to try to challenge myself to just do a new one every single day. It's whatever comes out. It's exactly as it is in that exact moment. And I love that. I love that it's whatever was in my brain rattling around that day. When I started typing it on the typewriter, it felt like I was unlocking this ability to be stream of conscious without ever being able to change it. The typewriter sits on a little table in Tyler's kitchen. And I have this whole case of old paper that I saved. We are the stories we tell from the pieces we gather. We are the snapshots made into photographs. We are the art made from the fragments. These are the tales they tell. That one's for you. Did you just, just come up with that? Yeah, just what we were talking about downstairs, about how we take little pieces and we try to piece them together to make bigger stories. You've been listening to Tyler Knott Gregson in Helena, Montana. He posts his poems daily on his website, tylernott.com. You can also follow his work on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To see images from today's story or to listen to and download stories from around the Rocky Mountain West, go to mountainwestvoices.org. I'm Clay Scott. You could do worse, by the way, than spending hours in a deep dive of Clay's audio archives. I spent a lot of time there. You should, too. And for our promised Christmas bonus, producer Colin May comes back to us. He's the guy who went into the field, the field being Glacier National Park, with a couple of pretty dynamic researchers studying mountain goats and, well, how people peeing off trail has changed their dynamic. It's in episode two, if you missed it. Today, though, he sticks closer to Missoula and brings us a sound portrait of Mary Hickman, a woman who truly embraces sound and is not your typical grocery bell ringer. I'm in the parking lot of Orange Street Food Farm. It's a grocery store on the south side of Missoula. It's not a supermarket, just a market, but it's still one of the busiest stores in town. Outside the entrance, under a green beach umbrella, it's snowing. Uh, The beach umbrella is duct taped to a post, and underneath it, a small, round, 
middle-aged woman sits in a chair next to that distinct red kettle. From her bundle of winter clothes, a voice rings out. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Well, maybe not rings, but she's singing. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride Well, I, my name's Mary Hickman. I'm 51. I have cerebral palsy on my right side, so my right side is really weak. Mary's a bell ringer for the Salvation Army. She sits out here, snow, rain, or shine, for about 40 hours a week from Thanksgiving week through Christmas. Even with it being paid, they need more people. It seems like the, the worse the weather, the, the less the people want to work. I bet. Well, it's snowing yeah. today and you're still out here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm out here. Besides her voice, it's her consistency that people notice. She's here. She's always here. She's pretty Thank into you. singing nonstop, so she has incredible stamina. You know, I was only here one at a time, and she never stopped. I've lived here three years and heard her every year. I think she's very brave, too. Not everyone would be able to, to do this, and I, it's fun to hear her out here singing. In just a couple years, Mary has become a holiday fixture at Orange Street Food Farm. I started out this, this year at the Missoula Fresh Market over by where I live, mm-hmm. and people from here uh, that shopped here said, oh, you're not going to be at Orange Street Food Farm? And I just told my boss that, and he, he put me back here. So. <laughs> Girls in white dresses with blue satin sashes. She has a binder full of carols. Close to 70. And most of them she's handwritten herself, sometimes in multicolored marker. They range from the classics to goofy spin-offs to religious songs. When the dog bites, you name it, she's got it. Got numerous people that, that says, do you have the, the words? Because I don't know the words. <laughs> yep, I have it right here. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be You recognize it, right? She's got the voice of an enthusiastic church singer, or your aunt at a Christmas party, or your mom while she's cooking. She's got everyone's voice. Well, I don't really enjoy her voice, but I see that she generates a Christmas vibe for people to come over and put money in the bucket, and I think that's what really matters. It, it brings me much joy. It's a lot of fun, actually. She's, she's got a great spirit, and I like to sing in front of people, but it took me a little while to sort of get gutsy about it, so whenever I see someone else singing, I always sing in front of people. Yes, I love singing. I, I uh, think that's one of the best parts of, of me, being me because of my, my cerebral palsy. Uh, when I was a teenager, my mom used to say, you could pick up a song in, in nothing flat. <laughs> so when you finish your shopping, drop some coins in the bucket, and maybe stick around, join in, sing a song with Mary. Because you, your voice, it's perfect for caroling too. Ho, 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 who wouldn't go? Ho, 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 who wouldn't go? In Missoula, Montana, I'm Colin May. Merry Christmas, everybody. Sing a song. 
Very good. Thanks to Colin May for producing that story. I loved it when he talked about her singing as if she's your aunt at a party. It made me think of my own aunt, who really can party. Shout out to Nanny, who doesn't know anything about computers and will never hear this. You've been listening to Last Best Stories, which you can hear lots of places, including our website, lastbeststories.org, on iTunes, Stitcher, you know the usual. We also got a shout out not too long ago from The Audit, which is a pretty cool newsletter pointing people to great little podcast gems all over the world. Our thanks this time clearly to our fab contributors, Danielle Thompson of Bozeman, Clay Scott of Helena, and Colin May from Missoula. And to you, I appreciate you people. I see you. Until next time and even in between, I'm Jewel Banville. Thanks for listening. And Happy New Year. Sure.